Our scripture reading today is from Romans 8, 1-17, and you can follow along on page 10. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sinful offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then, even though your body is subjected to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the word of the Lord. We're beginning this new series, and we're beginning to jump into the silly season that is known as Christmas and Advent. Um, Shannon and I had an opportunity this week in preparation for this time to go and spend an evening uh, seeing a show at the Crown. And since we were seeing a show at the Crown, we thought we would just stay overnight at the Crown uh, and have uh, just a night away to kind of get reset and ready for what was coming up. And as we were walking down the hallway uh, of the Crown, I remembered just how much I love um, hotels. <laughs> uh, they are like one of my favorite things in the world. Uh, I, I like to be able to walk into a hotel, uh, and, and I'll be honest, obviously, the you know bougier the hotel is, the nicer it is to be there. But whether it's uh, you know just a roadside you know motel that has outdoor doors and you know uh, an air conditioner that barely works, or whether it was like the Crown that we were in, 
Thursday night. I, I just like them. Uh, now, the reason why I like them probably bears confession. Uh, I like them because it is um, easy. I, I like them because I can go in and I can just be. Uh, I know that um, when the room is messed up, uh, I don't have to clean it. Um, like my house, where if I mess up the room, somebody has to clean it. Uh, and as much as I try to get my children to clean my room, uh, I feel like that's unfair. And so um, I, you can leave and not make the bed. Now, I know I'm an adult, and I can do that at my house as well. Um, but I do also like the bed to be made. So to leave it unmade is hard. But to know if I'm staying an extended time at a hotel, I could leave every day and put this little sign on the door that says housekeeping. And I will come back and I will have a made bed. I will have clean towels if I'm not earth conscious, where every day I can get new towels. Because it's easy. And by being there, I'm denying the hardness of the world. There's a movie called Up in the Air by, with George Clooney, where he plays a, a man who flies all over the United States of America, going in and firing people. That's his job. And as Shannon and I were watching that in the theater, I could tell her discomfort, and she could see the great joy in my heart about it. <laughs> Because all he does is goes into a place, goes to the same hotel, eats the same food, gets everything taken care of, and then he just goes and fires people. Now the firing people part, all right, I kind of like that part too. Um, but the biggest part of it is his life is just so temporary. There's no entanglements. There's no realness. Advent and the season that we're walking gives us all an opportunity to slow down. And as we wait for Christ to come and to come again, we have ample places to look at the brokenness and the chaos that is around us. The places where we, like the psalmist, say, how long, O oh Lord, is this going to happen? See, but our hearts, <laughs> we want to run away from that. We don't want to engage in that. We'd much rather be in the hotel room of life where it's just all taken care of. And there's even a person on the TV telling me all the great things I can do in the place that I'm staying. <laughs> Advent gives us the opportunity to recognize the brokenness of the world and our own lives. But it also gives us a place to wait and anticipate and long for the correction that is to come. The wholeness that is given to us. The invitation to be made right and new that comes in Christ. And so in this series... We're going through Romans 8 for the next four Sundays. 
And in that place, we're going to recognize that in the now and not yet, that in between that we live in, that Christ has come and he's been born and the work is done and accomplished, but it is not yet completely fulfilled. It's a weird thing for us to talk about in that way, that it's accomplished and done, but it's not completely fulfilled. When I was in the States at the church that sent us, the pastor there uh, was preaching a sermon, not on this, but around this. And he gave a great illustration from World War II, talking about D-Day. The fact that on D-Day, when it was accomplished, when it was done, the war was finished. There were battles that still had to be fought. But when D-Day took place and happened, every military expert would tell you it was done. It was over. But we were just waiting for it to be completed. That's where we sit in our lives. Christ has come, he's been born, he's lived his life of perfection, he's died on the cross, he's risen again, and so everything that is needed to be done has been done. It is complete. But it's not fulfilled. And that's where we live. And so it's in that place that we'll go through Romans 8 to recognize what does it mean for us to live as those in the now and not yet when it comes to peace and to hope and to faith. And to love. And today we're looking at peace. What does it mean for us to live in the now and not yet of peace? A peace that is completed and made new, but a peace that a peace that is not yet fulfilled. If you drop down in verse 6, you'll see the word peace jump out at you. It says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And when we think about peace, we often think about that being an absence of conflict or turmoil, an absence of fighting. I dare say if we follow down a few verses further, we'll recognize maybe a little bit deeper what peace is. I want you to drop down to verse 15. It says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The absence of peace is fear. A thought that God has not done enough. A, a belief that things cannot be made right. A, a, an understanding that while it all seems lost, it must be lost. And so I am afraid of the future. I'm afraid of the present. I'm afraid of my past and what it will bring about in my life today. And I would dare say that that is us walking in the flesh when we live a life of fear. But to walk in this peace, this peace that is an absence of fear, it's an absence of fear because it springs from the spirit of life that is Christ. It's an absence of fear because it's a, a knowing and a trusting and a deep belief that God has accomplished all that needs to be accomplished for my goodness. And in that place, I can then walk in it as it is being revealed over and over and over again. 
So as we look through this passage, we see, first of all, that this peace that we have that is already completed is a supernatural peace. It is a spiritual peace. It's hard to actually put into words because it's so cosmic peace. The first thing that we recognize is this is a peace that has taken the separation that we have from the creator of the world. The Almighty, the one who is merciful and true. And it brings us into relationship with that God, with him. That's a cosmic peace, a spiritual, supernatural peace. We see that in verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because Jesus is a law of the Spirit who gives us life. That if we live our lives not knowing who Christ is and what he's done and the fact that God has brought peace to us, that as Paul says earlier in this passage, we were once enemies. And while we were enemies, God died for us. In Ephesians 2, he says that Christ came preaching peace to those who were near and those who were far off. This peace that is so cosmic that it takes us who are rebellious at heart and changes the very heart of who we are, making it a heart that is a rejoicing heart to the God that is good and mighty. And so we see a peace in this now and not yet that is cosmic. We also see this as an internal peace. A renewing peace that takes place in us. It's a peace that allows us to see our darker parts of our heart. Our shadow selves, so to speak. That, that thing that grabs hold of us and says, get on the throne of your heart. You want to be there. Just do it. It's a peace that knocks that down. That says, no, living according to that will lead to death. But living according to the spirit that is within you. This spirit that comes to you from God, through God, that is God. Because of the peace he has brought in Christ. It allows us to be honest with ourselves. To not shy away from those places of brokenness. That gives us the strength and the bravery to be willing to lay it all out and say, even as I reveal my darkest self, and as David says, the psalmist cries out, check me out. <laughs> Look at my heart. Show me the depths of my darkness. It's a great peace that does that. Why? Because it drives out fear. A fearful person doesn't want to be known. A fearful person doesn't want to have anyone find out what's going on. A fearful person decides that I cannot engage. But one who is walking in the peace that is now and not yet is able to say, I want to be completely exposed in the grace of God. And so it's an internal peace that we hold, knowing that we are no longer condemned because Christ has come to preach peace. To us that we don't have to remain in the flesh 
But it's not just a cosmic peace and it's peace and it's not just an internal individual peace. It is also a corporate peace. It is a peace that draws us together, that makes us all children of God, that recognizes that we are heirs and co-heirs with Jesus. It's a corporate peace that says, as we walk together in this place, that we... I'm, am I too loud for the thing? Okay. As we walk together in the peace of Christ, then we are unafraid to share life, to be deep in the muck and the mire, to be those that are willing to say, I'm here for you. And at the same time, being wise of how we engage with one another, knowing that we carry our past and our present and our hopes for the future in every engagement that we have. That there are places that we wait for God to renew us and move us. Praying that he will bring about complete restoration of who we are and who we can be together. So seeking each other with wisdom and grace and love. We are able to do that because we do not live in the flesh. Not to harp on Colossians. But when Christ appears, who is your life, you will know him because you will be like him. As we walk in this peace that passes all understanding, a peace that has no fear, a peace that is now completed in Christ, yet is being fulfilled when he comes. It is a peace where we as brothers and sisters draw together and our obligation is no longer to our fleshy selves, but our obligation is to the spirit and the spirit is not individual or particular. The spirit is corporate. How do we know that? Because the spirit is Trinity. And in Trinity, we are brought in, not being part of the Trinity, but reflecting the Trinity. Those of us who live in community together, who walk together. I want to go back down to that chapter 15 that says the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. It is in this place that the rest of this chapter makes sense. It is in this place where we recognize our adoption that this cosmic peace and this individual peace and this corporate peace that we walk in is a peace that springs from the Holy Spirit reminding us over and over again as verse 16 says, the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And we know this. Why? Because we walk in his suffering. That's what verse 17 says. Now if we are his children, then we are his heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may share in his glory. 
You see, this peace in Advent season, this peace that is now completed and is being fulfilled in days to come. Oh, and maybe this would be soon. It is in that peace that we are able to not run to the private hotel room of denial, but step into the real world of brokenness around us. It's in that place that we can walk into the hurt that we're experiencing and that others are experiencing. So that in that place, God can reveal himself most clearly. And we can be like Christ. Our life is found there. But not just his suffering. In his glory as well. That place where we will be able to sing and praise God forever. You'll notice that our call to worship over these next four weeks are all out of the book of Revelation. That book that in the beginning of the year we preached a little bit through. It is in that place that we're anticipating and waiting for Christ to come again. For all this to be made new. But now, in this present place, the now and not yet, we sit and we stand and we walk and we run and we hug and we battle. And we grieve, and we dance, and we rejoice, because we are in the Spirit of Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, if there's anything that I have spoken today that's not from you, I ask that it be banished from our hearts and minds. That if there is anything that is from you, let it bring glory to you. Let it propel us towards the good works you have laid out before the foundation of the world for us to do. And let us rest in this now and not yet, knowing that our peace is complete in Christ and will be fulfilled when he comes again. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.